One of the most sobering things we must understand is that any lack of gratitude in us takes us out of the fullness of God's will. This message is the first in the series, Think Thanks. The message is entitled, Things Standing in the Way of Thanks. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Hi, Pastor Dale here. Welcome to church this weekend. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time with us, we want to give you a very special welcome and greeting. Glad to have you. And if you're a regular, welcome back home. Great, great to be together. It's going to be a great time this weekend sharing together in God's Word. We've had a wonderful time of worship. Let's pray together as we get ready to dive into today's message. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have this weekend to study your Word. We ask that you would speak to every heart and every life today. May we receive from you exactly what you want each one of us to hear today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited about a new series of messages we're starting this weekend that I believe is going to be a great blessing in your life. I believe this series has the capacity to radically change so many things in your life. We're going to be talking for the next several weeks about thinking thanks. There are two words, think thanks. Say those with me, think thanks. The change of one little word, think I, to thanks, a vital transitions in our life that we learn to think in a thankful way. We're going to be talking about the principles of gratitude. Now, I believe that perhaps in life there's nothing more important than learning this very, very significant principle. I believe that all of us have a tendency by nature to fall into negative patterns of life. We tend to look at our problems and our pain and fall into this sequence of grumbling and complaining. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But life tends to go toward the negative fairly easily. We have to work to move our life toward the positive. And God very clearly in His Word teaches us that His plan for us is that we would live a victorious life. And to actually live a victorious life, we have to learn something about the weapons of warfare, spiritual weapons I'm talking about, that lead us into that kind of life. And not just conceptually know about those spiritual weapons that move us in the right direction, helping us to overcome our spiritual enemies, but we also have to put them into practice, know actually how to use them. And there's no weapon, spiritual weapon, that is more important than this weapon called gratitude. Now, before I get into the topic of gratitude, I want to explain two of the most important aspects of your life that this concept of gratitude really uh, focuses, focus around, gravitate toward, or we might say hinge upon. Your life is controlled primarily, actually two elements that actually set the course of your life, the element of your mind and the element of your mouth, your mind and your mouth. Those are two things that are vital to your present and to your future. Every part of your life is being affected by how what you think and how you say what you say and the content of your conversations. These are extremely vital. Listen to Proverbs 4.23 where it says this to us, be careful, God says, what you think because your thoughts run your life. Notice that, be careful what you think why? Because your thoughts are the track upon which your life runs. And additionally, Proverbs 13, verse 3, adds the mouth to this process. Guard your words and you'll guard your life. Did you get that? If you guard your words, you'll guard your life. But if you don't control your tongue, it will ruin everything. I think most of us could say a really hearty, strong, robust amen to that, that we've ruined a lot of things because we haven't been in control of our tongue. So we're talking about this, this convergence of mind and mouth. These two things go together far more than most of us realize. 
The psalmist David understood this so much that he wrote this, this prayer in Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Do you see how David put those two things together? My words, the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, how I think. Jesus gave us these, this principle in these words in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, a good man produces good deeds from a good heart, and an evil man produces evil deeds from his hidden wickedness, what's in his heart. Whatever is in the heart, notice this, it overflows into speech. How you know what's in your heart is by paying attention to monitoring the words that you speak. How you change the words that you speak involves how you meditate or what you meditate on in your heart. If you wanna to get to know someone, what do you do? You have conversations with them. And in the midst of your conversations, you learn about them. You gain understanding of who they are. Why? Because their mouth reveals what's in their heart. Good or bad, your heart contains certain, has, has certain content that always will flow out in eventually in conversations. It's an irrefutable spiritual principle, vital to understand. Let me see if I can give you an analogy that will help us to understand this. I wanna to talk to you for a moment about, about breathing and air, okay? Breathing and air, let's use this as the example to understand, if you will, thinking and speech or words. Breathing is a process. It's what your body does to take in the proper, pro, the proper uh, element to your lungs that gives you life. And so if you stop breathing, obviously you die. But breathing alone is not enough. It's what you breathe as well. You have to breathe the right air into your lungs for your body to function. So you need to breathe, but you need to breathe the right thing. I want you to think of your breathing as your thinking. Your breathing is what goes on inside of you. It's sort of a, a process that you just engage in that most of the time you're completely unaware of. You're not paying much attention to exactly what you're thinking usually. That's a breathing process. The air is what you're taking in. And what you take in is going to determine, what you inhale is going to determine what you exhale. And so what comes out of your lungs, if you will, that exhaling is going to be determined by what you have inhaled. Now, from what I understand in terms of the kind of air that we need to live by, we need about 78% nitrogen and about 21% oxygen, and there's some other elements that go in there as well, but this is the substance of life-giving air. The same is true in your spiritual journey, your emotional journey, your relational aspects of life. What you're taking in, the breathing process needs to be healthy in your life and you exhale what is healthy by your conversation. So your breathing in is your thought process, your exhaling is your conversation. You kind of know what people are taking in by what they're breathing out. Let me say that again. You basically know what kind of air people are taking in by listening to what they're breathing out. What you inhale will be demonstrated through what you exhale. Very, very important. Now we're gonna dive into one aspect of thinking. We don't have time in this series to go through all the different aspects of thinking, but we are going to zero in on one particular area that I think is so vital, especially in the world that we're living in today. So many challenges, so many difficulties, so many things that we face around us. It is quite easy for all of us to slip into a mindset of negativity. 
and that never produces anything. When you're thinking negatively, you're gonna speak negatively, and that whole process is going to drain life and perhaps, if you will, destroy some elements of your spiritual life and your emotional life and your relationships. And so today I'm gonna to give you sort of an introductory lesson on this topic. I wanna to talk to you about things that get in the way of, of, of giving thanks, things that get in the way of thinking thanks and speaking thanks with your life. And I'll share three principles with you. The first two are sort of laying a basic foundation. And the third one is really where I'm gonna get into the whole idea of things that get in the way of thanksgiving. So, so don't miss all three of these parts. The first two lay foundations. The third one we'll come to in a moment that helps us to understand the kind of things that get in the way of being a person of gratitude. The first principle I want to share with you today is this. Gratitude is where your best life begins. I'll say that again. Gratitude, giving thanks, is where your best life begins. One of the most common commands and encouragements in Scripture is a very clear command. In fact, it's a practice you'll find all the way through the pages of the Bible, and that is the command and the practice of giving thanks. There are literally so many scriptures associated with thanksgiving that it would take me hours just to read these scriptures to you. You can take your own time and go through your Bible and look at all the concepts, the principles, the practices of giving thanks. I, I, I'm going to zero in on one of these in this particular uh, point today and help you to understand the very clear command that God gives us about giving thanks. It's found in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. This verse always captures my attention and sobers me when I read it. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is, notice this, this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, listen to it again. This is New Living Translation. Be thankful when things are going well. No, that's not what it says, does it? No, it says be thankful in all, if you're taking notes, you might want to circle that word all, in all circumstances. And then he makes this statement, Paul does, inspired by the Holy Spirit, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, it's beginning, it begins with giving thanks. Let me read this from the Passion Translation. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. It's describing the process. Let your breathing process be always giving thanks, spiritually speaking. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Now, this, this verse leaves us no out, not at all, okay? It's very clear. It's a command from God's perspective. Giving thanks is such a vital process and such a vital practice that we should be given absolutely no wiggle, worm, wiggle room to squirm out of it. We need to understand it is a principle. It is a command of God. And why does God command us to be people of gratitude and people of thanks? Because he knows it's best for us. Because gratitude has great power. You know, I read about uh, a little fruit that's, that's found in Africa. It's called the taste berry. And the taste berry fruit is quite interesting because anytime you eat one of these little taste berries, it has an interesting effect upon you. Not only is it sweet, but actually everything that you eat after the taste berry uh, uh, tastes sweet as well. So you can eat the most bitter fruit after eating a taste berry and it will actually taste sweet. Why? Because the taste berry turns bitterness 
into sweetness. And I want you to think of Thanksgiving very much like this. It's like the taste berry, that whenever you, whatever you consume with gratitude, it allows the bitter things in life to become sweeter, that when your attitude is one of gratitude, it changes even the most bitter fruit that comes into your life. Gratitude is where your best life begins. It's not an easy thing to learn. It's not an easy approach to life. It's not easy to give thanks in all circumstances. And certainly I'm not sitting here today telling you that I have conquered this in my own life. I'm in this journey as you are, but it's a vital thing to recognize that you and I need to be people of thanksgiving, not just when we feel like doing so, or not just when the great things happen in our life, but the Bible tells us that in all things we're to give thanks. It is God's will for each one of us. Now, many people will often say to me, Pastor, what is God's will for my life? How do I find God's will for my life? Well, God's will for your life starts with simply doing what His Word says. And His Word says that giving thanks is the will of God for you. It is where your best life begins. And then the second foundational principle I want to share with you, it's a little rough, a little hard to swallow, but I want you to stick with me. We all need some good medicine from time to time. And so I'm about to give us all a good dose of a real medicine from Scripture. Are you ready for this? Here's the second principle. The opposite of gratitude is not just being ungrateful, but it's grumbling. The symptom that you are, you're failing in the category of gratitude really is this activity, this thought process of grumbling. Now, nobody likes to think of themselves as a grumbler. I think it's something we want to avoid in our life. However, any time that you and I slip from this high calling and this high practice of active thanksgiving, we always slide into a spirit of grumbling. Grumbling is a way of thinking as, a, as well as a way of acting and a way of speaking. And sadly, here's the reality. Most of us live on the grumbling side of life's river. You live on the grumbling side of life's river. You're looking across the river and everything looks good over there, but it doesn't look so well on this side. And so we slip into this grumbling mentality, the if only this would happen in my life then I would be happy. If only I were there, if only I had this, if only this opportunity was given to me, if only you could fill in the blank with whatever you'd like to fill in the blank with that applies to your life. But we live in the if only category of living that if only this happened, then I could then give thanks. You know, the children of Israel had this problem when they wandered through the wilderness coming out of Egypt. Uh, God had, had wondrously delivered them from slavery and they're going toward the promised land. And I want you to listen to what happened to them in Exodus chapter 16, the first three verses. The whole community uh, set out, this is the Israelite community, set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. And so we're now about two and a half uh, about two months or so out of the time that they come out of out of slavery. So you would think they would be very happy people, correct? They've just been delivered from slavery. In the desert, notice this, the whole community, not just a few of them, but the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, notice what they said, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. What are they talking about? And then they make this statement, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Do you get what they're doing? 
They're exalting slavery over freedom. They're exalting a past that was filled with all kind, of, uh, all kind of hardship and difficulty. They're looking back and saying, that was so much better. They're looking back at that river and saying, if only we were back there, we would be happy. They didn't realize that God had them on a journey toward the promised land. I think it sounds very much like you and me from time to time. See, grumbling will always turn blessings into curses. And gratitude will always turn curses into blessings. Let me say that again. Grumbling will always turn your blessings into curses. And gratefulness will always turn your curses into blessings. It's important to remember that grumbling can cripple you and restrict a significant portion of your life. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. But listen to 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 10 and 11. And do not grumble. Notice again a command. Do not grumble as some of them did, speaking back of the Israelites, and were killed by the destroying angels. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings. Notice that word. Warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Here Paul is writing again, inspired by the Spirit, and says, hey, you got to understand something. I'm telling you these stories about what happened to the Israelites, so you'll understand that they were actually an example. They were destroyed. They were affected by their grumbling. It's now an example to you so that you do not fall into the same straits. You, not, you don't fall prey to the same issues they fell prey to and miss their destination, their destiny in the promised land. Gratitude is where your best life begins, and the opposite of gratitude is grumbling. I want to stop for a moment and thank God for his patience with me, and perhaps you want to give God uh, praise for his patience with you, because I've spent, as I'm sure all of us have, far more time grumbling than giving gratitude to God. It's something that needs to be adjusted in all of our lives. Let me bring us now to the third and final point. As we talked about our, our best life, beginning with gratitude, the opposite is grumbling. Here's where I want to focus my attention, and this is where we're talking today about things that stand in the way of us being people of, of, of thanks. Here's the statement, our third point. We need to get rid, get rid of, circle that phrase, get rid of, here's the key word, the grit in the gears of gratitude. I'll say that again. We need to get rid of the grit that is in the gears of gratitude. Now, if you've ever taken a gear chamber apart, a gear case apart, you'll understand that gears are very meticulous instruments. The slightest bit of grit in a gear case can destroy the finest machinery. Doesn't take a whole lot, just a little bit of grit can destroy, getting into the gear case can destroy the finest kind of machinery. And quite often, the reason that we're not more grateful is because we've actually allowed, if you will, grit to get into the gears of our gratitude. Something has gotten into that spiritual gear case and it's, it's just irritating and, and wearing away at our gratitude. And it happens very subtly and it happens very, very easily. And I'm gonna talk for a couple of moments here, actually several moments about some of the grit that gets into the gear of our gratitude. It happens when certain things transpire in our life. And I want you to use this there on your notes and as you follow with me for the next few moments. Uh, this, what I'm about to share with you now, is sort of a, if you will, a, maybe a, a checklist for your life. An awareness of maybe where you need to get some grit out. 
And so I'll start, we're gonna give you eight things very quickly here, eight things that represent grit, that get into the gear shaft, the gear case of your spiritual life and, and break down the gears of gratitude. Number one, we start grumbling when we're not pursuing our own personal spiritual growth. As soon as you stop pursuing, actively going after spiritual growth, grit begins to get into the gears of gratitude in your life. When you live according to the flesh, rather than seeking to live according to the Spirit, being filled with God's Holy Spirit each and every day, and really pursuing God and seeking to please the Spirit, I promise you it's not going to be long before that fleshy nature takes over and grumbling becomes a part of your life. Listen to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. How true that is. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Notice this, hostility. That's obviously uh, the opposite of gratitude. Quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. And it goes on and talks about a number of different things. You can read there in Galatians 5, 19, 19 through 21. But I want you to see that as soon as you stop pursuing spiritual growth, the flesh begins to take over. Maybe what's happened in your life is maybe you've kind of slowed down in your spiritual growth recently. Maybe you've stopped kind of going after God like you once did, or maybe you've kind of become, if you will, carnal or fleshy in the way that you're living your life, and you're not really pursuing God. Let me encourage you to realize it's going to have an adverse effect upon your life if it hasn't already. It will lead you to grumbling, which can ultimately destroy your life and relationships. Number two, we start grumbling when we've accepted the common attitudes of the culture around us. I'm gonna make an announcement, it's probably no surprise to you, but I'll say it anyway. We live in an ungrateful, entitled world. We live in a world where most folks don't understand gratitude. They may speak of it from time to time. They may even think about it on Thanksgiving holiday weekend. But generally speaking, we live in an ungrateful world and an ever increasingly ungrateful world. Paul the Apostle writes to Timothy and tells him something about the last days and gives some characteristics of what the last days will look like. I'm gonna read for you in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'll begin in verse number one. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, that's right before Jesus comes again, there will be very difficult times. I think we're understanding something about that, right? For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and what's the next word? Ungrateful. Notice that in the midst of the characteristics that Paul lists, related to symptoms associated with the last days, he uses this word, people will be increasingly ungrateful. I'm not gonna read the rest of it to you. You can read that on your own. Again, verses one through five are great verses to read, to be aware of the characteristics of the last days. But one of those characteristics in our culture in an ever increasing way is ungratefulness, a lack of gratitude. It is all around us. And if we're not careful, we will pick up the culture that is around us instead of being countercultural, being people of gratitude. Number three, we start grumbling when we are, we, we've allowed pride to have a place in us. Let me explain what I mean by that. You and I are ungrateful when we've allowed pride to get a place in us. Anytime that you begin to ascribe to yourself 
the accomplishments of your life and the good things that you have in your life as coming from you and just your hard work and you're the guy or the gal that has pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps and you've made life happen, you're all that. As soon as you begin to think along those lines, ingratitude now has started to slip into your life. Anytime that we've allowed pride, see that's pride, and anytime pride comes in, it takes the attention away from God and puts the attention on you. James 1, 17, Passion Translation, every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. The primary thing I want you to see is that every good and perfect gift comes from God. You might say, well, I worked hard for what I have. Well, yes, perhaps you worked hard, but who gave you the strength to work hard? Well, I've achieved these wonderful things. Well, who gave you the intellect, the capacity, the favor to achieve, achieve those things? Ultimately, you have to come back to the fact that really it is God who has sourced every good thing in your life. Pride slips in and says, it's me. Gratitude slips in and slides in and grabs you and says, no, it's not me. It is God. It's humility that acknowledges a grateful heart, that develops a grateful heart. And then number four, we start grumbling when we've lost our focus. Sometimes we just lose our focus and we, again, sort of, it's not that we stop loving God. God just gets out of focus in our life and other things take focus. And I'll, I'll come back to that with my next one in just a moment. These next two, these two sort of tie together. But sometimes our focus shifts from, from living for God to living for ourselves. And that's why the psalmist reminded us in Psalm 46, verse 10, he says, be still. God says, be still and know I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Maybe what you and I need to do right now is just pause for a moment and just be still and say, God, I know that you're God and I'm not. I know that every good and perfect gift has come from you. And I pause to recognize and replace reestablish my focus on who you are. And then this fifth one ties in with the fourth one. We start grumbling when we violated God's life priorities. See, when you lose your focus, you change your priorities. Other things become important. When you're not focusing on God and you're focusing on yourself, your priorities become more important than God's priorities. Jesus made this very clear to us in Matthew 6, 33. He says, here's how you live your best life. Be, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That the flow of blessing in our life really happens when our focus is on God and our priorities are established based upon God's priorities that we're seeking first, his kingdom and his righteousness, and knowing that everything else that we need will be added to us. Then number six, we start grumbling when we've stepped into the devil's comparison trap. Boy, this is a big one. It's something that happens to all of us, so easy to happen in our today in today's world with our social media culture and seeing what we perceive to be the highlight reels of other people and how they're living their lives and how miserable our lives are. And we start comparing ourselves with others. The Bible warns us about this over and over again, all going all the way back to the Ten Commandments. God said, don't do that. Don't spend time comparing yourself with others. Exodus 20, verse 17, you shall not covet, that's compare yourself with and want, desire, envy. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife 
or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Here God is saying, don't get your eyes off of your blessing and put your eyes on the perceived blessing of someone else and want what they have and covet it in your life. It only leads to negative places, bad places, and bad choices. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, the Amplified Version, here talks to us again about comparison. We do not have the audacity to put ourselves in the same class or compare ourselves with some who supply testimonials to commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they lack wisdom and behave like fools. The Bible says that when you start comparing yourself with other people around you, you're lacking in wisdom and you're behaving, yes, the scripture says, you're behaving foolishly. You're acting like a fool. There's a void of wisdom in your life. Number seven, we start grumbling when we've adopted unrealistic or or wrong expectations. When you and I expect everything to go our way, when we expect everything to be just like we want it to be, and it doesn't turn out that way, then if we're not careful, we can become filled with ingratitude and frustration and sometimes even anger at God about things that haven't turned out the way we expected or wanted them to turn out. But it's extremely important that we learn to turn our expectations over to God. The psalmist said in Psalm 62, verse number five, yes, my soul finds rest. My soul find rest. They commanding his soul to find rest in God. My hope or my expectation come from him. I'm only going to put my hope in those things that God wants for my life. My expectation is in him. And finally, we start grumbling when we're nursing anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness. Now, this is something that I want to talk about very specifically for a few moments. This is perhaps the most, uh, the most common thing that robs gratitude from your life ultimately. It is so easy, if we're not careful, to allow these three things to find root in us. The Bible says that we're not to let anger cause us to sin, and sinful anger leads you ultimately to an ungrateful, ingratitude attitude of life. It gets inside of you, it eats away. In fact, the Bible refers to it as a a way that we give place to the devil, and so many people are walking around with internalized anger that they don't even realize that they have, and it's robbing from them a grateful spirit toward life. Sometimes that is expressed in unforgiveness, that now I'm, not, I'm angry and I'm not going to free up, I'm not gonna release, not gonna let go of my, 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 my offense against someone. They've hurt me or something about their life has hurt me in some way and I'm just not going to let go of it. We don't realize that, that unforgiveness, again, it can be very unconscious, but it's laying inside of our souls and it's draining away the joy of our life and draining away the gratitude of our life. It's eating away at the core of who God wants us to be or it might be bitterness. Bitterness is something that's sort of fermented over time and it's gotten stuck inside of us. And we're bitter about something that's happened to us or something that's happened around us. And again, it's very much linked to the idea of anger and unforgiveness, but it's a root now that is growing inside of your soul. It steals away gratitude from your life. It steals and drains away your relationship with God because you haven't learned and haven't practiced the principle of graciousness. See, anger and unforgiveness and 
bitterness all eat away at the core of a grateful person. And you can't be a gratitude person without being a graceful person. Those words very clearly go together. The idea of grace and gratitude, you cannot separate them. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says, inspired by the Holy Spirit. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Notice this, don't fall short. Don't fail to be a gracious person. Don't fail to receive the grace of God into your life and extend that grace to other people. Make sure you don't fall short of the grace of God. And then notice this, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. There's so many lives that are being troubled in certain ways and places in our lives where we're being defiled and defiling other people because we haven't dealt with anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. It's one of those things, it's grit, if you will, in the gears of gratitude in our life. Can I ask you today, as I'm asking myself, what grit is in the gears of gratitude in your life? In that gear case of your soul, what grit has worked its way in? Which of these eight things best describe maybe something that's transpiring in your life right now that is again wearing away at those gears. Maybe it's a combination of things, but today is the day as we're starting our journey about Thanksgiving, learning to think thanks. We have to clean some things out and God by his Holy Spirit wants to search our hearts and allow us to be aware, not for condemnation, but for conviction and transformation. It's something that you and I need to stop and think about, pray about, ask God, search my heart see where the grit is in, in the gear cases of my soul that's grinding away at the gratitude in my life and lord clean it out so i can be ready to be a person who experiences my best life because i am a full person of gratitude i'm no longer a grumbler and i'm learning to keep the grit out of my life would you join me together in prayer father we thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had today to study your word we're so grateful for the Word of God and how it speaks to us, how it challenges us and changes us and helps us to understand what you're trying to do in our lives, what you want us to be, what your will is for us. So Lord, I pray today that in Jesus' name that you'd search each of our hearts, show us where the grit is in the gear case of our soul that's grinding away and eating away at the gratitude that you want to be in us. Help us to be honest with you. Thank you, your Word says if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us. Lord, let us be people of grace so we can be people of gratitude. We ask this in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm gonna give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.